My name is Owen Staten. Welcome to the time between times, the time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey, the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world is wafer, wafer thin. Now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see fairies or the Tulwith Tague out of the corner of their eye. And now is the time of ghosts. And today, now is the time of the veteran wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 75. I'm joined today by Owen Staten, uh, storyteller par excellence, raconteur, if you will. And we're going to talk about quite a few things. Uh, Owen's hobby journey, of course. But most importantly, we're going to talk a little bit about his journey with wargaming and his mental health. And Owen, I, I have to thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show and to talk about this important subject. A, a number of other hobby podcasts are kind of dipping their toe into the subject. And I think it's worth worth discussing openly, freely, and uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jay, and uh, thank you for having me on. And it's an absolute pleasure for to speak to you and your audience. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I, I think we'll just jump right into it and... I'll ask you the same question I ask every first-time guest, and that is, what makes you a veteran wargamer? Well, Jay, um, I suppose I am a veteran wargamer in many ways. One of those is I have been wargaming since the early 80s, so that makes me a veteran of the wargaming hobby, if you like. Um, Ever since I can remember, I've been a wargamer, a role player, interested in fantasy and science fiction. And I'm also a veteran to a certain degree um, in that I have been a police officer for 20 years Hmm. um, until very recently where I changed my career. And um, so I know what it's like to have experiences in not the armed forces per se, but in the the police service and uh, what it was like being a gamer in that environment as well. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's very similar circumstances sometimes between uh, armed services and police and other emergency service folks. Um, and I here down the line, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the use of the hobby in dealing with uh, PTSD, for example, and other, uh, other psychological conditions and... Uh, I'm really glad that we're we are addressing this because I do think it's definitely worth discussing further. And Absolutely. Now you mentioned the 1980s being a, you yeah. know early 1980s being a role player, being a war gamer back then. So I'm going to guess that the Red Box D and D played a part at some point. Very, very much so. I can remember being a small um, a child. Really, I was born in '73, so probably in the late. 70s, early 80s, I was never much of a reader or um, I had trouble reading. I'm quite dyslexic. So, um, but one of the things I did pick up on was the fight in fantasy game books. And um, mm-hmm. we're becoming obsessed with those, especially the Forest of Doom, which I think was the third one, and the Death Trap Dungeon. 
Uh, and then one day, a friend of mine in school who had an older brother, uh, this is a story we hear a lot, he brought in an old, battered, wrecked, ripped, sellotape-together copy of the uh, D&D Red Box basic set, levels one to three, and he sold it to me for a pound. And um, <laughs> and I can remember clearly bringing that home, uh, looking at it and thinking, this is really complicated, but I'm going to try my best. And it had the dice that you had to um, put the crayons on it so mm-hmm. you could um, uh, see the, the numbers. And I've got this clear vision that I created a three-room dungeon. And in the first room, there was an orc guard asleep in a chair. And... Where my parents used to live, they had a driveway that was quite steep, and I've still got a vision of two of my best friends at the time with their bikes laying on their sides at the bottom of the driveway, running up to play D&D. It was proper mm. strip things uh, type of thing, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, from there, really, really did go from there. Wow. And that's... Yeah. Now I have that vision. <laughs> <laughs> It was a beautiful that, summer's day. I can remember it. And uh, I can remember sitting on the floor in my bedroom. And my parents lived in a bungalow, a one-story a one room, a house. And uh, I can remember sitting on the floor with it all written in paper. I wish I still had that paper. And mm. we played three-room dungeon. And um, from that point, we were all hooked. We went on to play um, the old uh, Middle Earth role-playing from ICE, um, mm-hmm. mainly. On and um, we played that for years. Uh, a really complex system. We, we then went to Rollmaster. I can't believe that we did that. I'm looking at my original Rollmaster books here, which were was was absolutely. It was like it was like you had to have a maths degree to play it. But uh, <laughs> how, how we got through that with tables and tables of critical hits and things like that. But I was totally lost in role playing in wargaming. In, um, in that sort of environment from my early teens, really. And um, I'll, I'll go on and tell you, I went uh, in the nearest city to me is a city called Swansea, which is uh, the city by the sea here in South Wales. And um, I clearly remember going into um, the model shop, which was a, a shop which sold kits and role-playing and war games material, and looking through the old regiments of renown and that type of thing. And there's mm-hmm. a card card on the wall that said um, Swansea War Games Club meets every other Sunday at St. Philip's Church Hall in uh, Swansea. Mm. So I got my parents to take us over, me and a friend, and I walked through the door and there was a sight there which just blew my mind. And that was, there was probably about an eight by four table that was covered with the most fantastic fantasy scenery and armies that I'd ever seen, bearing in mind that this was the early 80s. And there was a guy there called Tony, and he um, was a brilliant artist, a brilliant painter, a brilliant war gamer, and he had all sorts of fantasy armies. We're talking the second edition of Warhammer had just come out, mm. so that would probably put this around 84, probably. And... Um, he was running this game for about eight players where uh, each of us had like a unit from a different army and, and we played in that in that game. 
And I can remember clearly this vision in my mind. I had a unit of goblin wolf riders and they oh, wow. ran, through, ran through a river coming up into the village on the other side. And in my mind, I can't remember what the figures were. I can't remember what we used, what they were painted like. But I can still clearly hear the wolves' feet splashing through the water, the howl <laughs> of the goblin as they ran up the, uh, the side of the, uh, the river. And it was just the most evocative experience. And from there, I, I've told this story before, but, I, but from there, um, Tony took me under his wing, really. And I was a young lad and he helped me. Um, every week I would help him set up a scenario. I would use his figures. We would um, run big games for lots of people. And it was unbelievable. And this went on for a few months. And I turned up then one Sunday. It was every other Sunday we would meet. Mm -hmm. and I walked through the door and the table was bare. Oh. I remember saying, where's Tony? We were going to play a game. And one of the other members said, he's moved away. Work oh. has taken it away. But he's given you this. And he gave me six old Citadel Cabolds painted, numbered one to six on the base with A-S-H, which must have been Tony and his sur Anthony and his surname. And he said, he gave you these. And I never saw him again, Jay. You know, mm. and I don't know who he is now, or but I've got uh, so much to be thankful for because it brought me into the wargaming hobby, and I still I've got a case next to me here where all my figures are, and those six kabolds led by a kabold wizard are sitting there proudly. So Tony, if you're out there listening to this, thank you very much. Dilchavaru galan. Man, what a, what a story! That's great, and. And I have to say, I first heard of you on the D6 Generation podcast, where you told stories on on the podcast, and occasionally were a guest. And man, I, you you talk about having a vision of the of the wolves crossing the stream <laughs> and the hearing the slap of the paws on the on the wet ground on the mud as they they come up out of the, the ravine and. Yeah. Now again, I've got that vision myself. So, um, <laughs> so just for a moment, if you don't mind, if we can talk about your storytelling, if that's all right with you. Um, well, before we do that, speaking of the D six generation, you you mentioned, um, you know, of course, you talk about Warhammer, which it, it, you follow the same template that many men of our age and women, I suppose, uh, had a similar trajectory through. Redbox D&D &D, and then those early iterations of Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000. And I recall you talking about uh, on the D6 generation, talking about how you went to San Antonio, Texas for a Warhammer tournament. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, what an experience that was, Jay. Um, back in the early 2000s, we're probably jumping ahead a little bit now, but back in the early 2000s, um, a friend and I, we both had young families and our gaming was, um, as what, you know, as happens, our gaming suffered because we weren't getting together as much as we, we could have. Um, I was in the police service at the time, so I was working, you know, a, a pretty rigid shift pattern. And I can remember um, it was a birthday party for one of our children, um, like yourself today. And we had a party in a local swimming pool where, um, you know, it was a pool party. And my friend and I were in the pool and I just said, I'd love to go to a tournament overseas. Uh, 
And he said, well, yeah, let's have a look and see what we can find and we'll make a weekend of it. And I looked online and I saw that, uh, this was about 2007, um, the Alamo GT was going in that November, so it was the end of that year. Mm-hmm. And without any real idea about how far that was, I remember saying, <laughs> let's go to Texas for the weekend. So um, we uh, <laughs> and we did, and we did it twice. And uh, we also went to Memphis, Tennessee um, to play. And it, you know, for us, that meant uh, driving like two hours up to Heathrow Airport, mm-hmm. an eight-hour flight to Chicago, followed by a three-hour flight from there to San Antonio, followed like an hour to the hotel, uh, and then doing the same thing backwards like three days later. Yeah. And it was brutal. But I fell in love with Texas, Jay. Um, I went there in 2007. I went there in 2009. Um, and what a place and what memories I have of my time mm-hmm. there and wargaming across the pond. And I can remember um, the uh, the organisers were the, the Bailey brothers who were behind Grindhouse Games, who did um, Secrets of the Third Reich and a few okay. of those games. And um, I can remember emailing them and saying, look, you know, we're, we're coming, for, uh, we're Welsh, we're coming to the tournament. Uh, and they were like, oh, great, fab. But I think they just thought that we were Welsh Americans because when I actually opened the door and said, "Where are you from?" Well, we're from South Wales. They were like blown away, and uh, but the welcome we had was fantastic. And some of my greatest memories in Warhammer, in particular, was the tournaments that I played in um, in San Antonio, in Texas, and in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and how I'd love to go back and do that again. And it all came from really from uh, again my time in the D six generation, and that was unbelievably um, fortunate. Uh, I used to listen. It was in the, the dawn of podcasts, really, where there were only mm-hmm. a few sort of gaming podcasts back in uh, you know two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. And I was driving to work one day for I used to listen to these, and um, the D six generation were only on about their third or fourth episode. And they yeah. did a little competition about, um, it was about War Machine and Hordes. And they asked for um, somebody to, I can't even remember what it was, but it was to, like to describe a battle or to describe a, um, a, a character from one of those uh, systems. Mm-hmm. And I did it, as, as I do, being a bit of a, a square peg in a, in a round hole. I, I did it through the way of poetry and I performed it and sent it off. And it was a prize, you know, there was a, a, a some figures or, or miniatures, whatever. And I forgot about it. And then a few weeks later, they announced the winner and um, and they played my poem and my uh, my sort of uh, performance. And I was amazed, you know. I was totally sort of uh, overawed by this. And from there, I got to know them and started doing the odd um, presenting gig with them or sending through little bits of uh, bits and bobs about what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky to meet up with Russ on a number of occasions. His family came over here to the UK and met up with us uh, for a couple of days in Wales a few years ago. And then we met up with them in Florida and brilliant experience. You know, I, I still uh, correspond with Craig quite a lot as well. So really, really nice and a welcome and a great thing to get me into, into podcasting and wargaming. And so many people have got in touch, you know, from those days. I, I, I do a bit on the crown of command podcast, which is run by Joshua who lives in Japan and mm-hmm. um, he's, an Australian guy lives in Japan and he sort of sought me out from um, 
from uh, remembering me from those days. So I, I don't think I realized how many people were listening to those episodes and, and, and have memories of those times. And that is, a, a, you know, it really warms my heart to think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you hit it right on, right on the head there. I mean, you think back to, well, 2007, I was driving an hour and a half each way to work. And, right. you know, that was, that was perfect. You know, D6 generation was perfect for me because I could fire one up on the, <laughs> when I'm pulling yeah. out of the driveway. And by about the time I got home, it'd be done. <laughs> oh, I know. They used to do the, I still do these huge mammoth episodes, you know, so they were looking for anyone to fill some time really. And, and even though some of the stuff I did was quite off the wall, I was, I was just trying to think of entertaining ways to, um, to bring, you know, gaming to people with a, with a different view really. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm so grateful to them for that, for allowing me that time and, and that, and that space and, and that platform. really. Yeah. And, Words from Wales, I think, was the name of your segment, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was Words from Wales, and um, I tried to put a Welsh slant on um, on anything. Really, I'm really passionate about promoting Wales as a um, you know as a country and a and a culture, and um, you know as part of the UK. I, I think that uh, we have such a rich history, rich mythology, and. Um, you know, we have our own language, and uh, mm-hmm. but I, I think our publicists are not as good as the ones from Scotland or Ireland, so we don't get the publicity that uh, our other Celtic brothers do. But mm-hmm. uh, so I'm very, very passionate about promoting um, uh, anything Welsh uh, on, on a on a global stage, if you like, and. Um, uh, yeah, and and that worked for me. Um, I you know I tried to inject a bit of humour into things as well. Sure, and I've always been about narrative gaming, really. And as I, as going back to the vision of the the Wolf Riders, if you can create that image in someone's mind, and that takes them out of their out of themselves and into that fantasy world, whether it be for a few seconds, a few minutes, or a few hours. At the end of the day, I think that's why we're all here, and that's mm-hmm. what I was really trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's, I don't know exactly what it is there, you maybe because, you know, Wales is, is just a little bit different from the rest of Great Britain, you know, and, you know, not only having your, you know, the Welsh language and a slightly different take on, uh, on the mythology and, I mean, that sort of thing. I, I think that's part of what appeals to me about your storytelling, you know, is that right. it's not, you know, it's not the same thing that me as an American, you know, I've heard, you know, cause you, you ask, you know, you ask most Americans, you know, what do you think about whales? They're going to think about the large seagoing mammals, <laughs> you know, not, yeah, not that know, little yeah. bit of the UK and they probably just think it's, it's England anyway. Right. Yeah, and um, I, I, I get that all the time, and um, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to go to the states, Texas, Memphis. I've been to Florida many times, and um, and New York, and um, yes, yeah, there is that. Um, as I said, um, the Irish and the Scots are far better at publicising themselves than we are, but our history, our culture, our mythology is is so rich and so different, and so. Um, 
uh, evocative of what it was like to be in Wales. And I think we're naturally, as a people, we're really poetic. We're really mm-hmm. um, imaginative. We're quite quarrelsome, you know, we're, we're typical Celts, but it's a part of the UK that doesn't sell itself as much as other parts. And um, there are so many uh, in America, in, in the US in particular, um, so many people with Welsh heritage. And um, I, I encourage any of them to explore that because what you might find might really enrich your lives in that, um, like I say, our history is fantastic. Our mm-hmm. the, the and the tales that we can tell and it really is a haunted land it's so um uh beautiful and rugged and different and uh, anyone who uh, wants to come over you know uh, you will have a wonderful time if you were to visit wales and uh and please do and i can meet you for a war game as well i'd love to oh that'd be wonderful thank you um now i do have to note um thanks to our my good friend uh, Mike Hobbs, who passed recently, um, I, I do have to recognize the Wargaming Center of the Universe is in Wales. <laughs> it's in Abergavenny, as you know. And so yeah. I, I think at some point, if, if I were to get there and we were to meet in Abergavenny, that would be wonderful. That so. would be great. And, and talking of Mike, uh, <laughs> unbelievably, I never got to meet Mike. Um, mm-hmm. And he lived... Um, literally about 15 minutes up the road from where I am. And we corresponded quite a lot um, over the years. And, you know, uh, there were a few times that he was going to come and watch me uh, do some storytelling performances and a few times that I was going to meet up with him and and do some gaming. And we never had the chance. And how I Mm. regret that I didn't, you know, push harder for that to happen because his passing last year was was such a loss to wargaming, to, mm-hmm. um, to uh, the Welsh in wargaming, and you know, in wargaming in general, because he was such a passionate and supporter of uh, of gaming, and um, yeah, a real real loss, and one that I felt really hard when it happened, even though I didn't, I'd never met the guy, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, my thoughts are still with him, and um, uh, and what happened, which was which was awful. Yeah, and yeah, I I can't get over. You know, I I I think we're getting off off track a little bit, but it's worth doing. You know, I think. Um, you know, Mike had such a generous spirit and a generous heart. Um, just completely out of nowhere, um, he sent me a painted Commander Dante. You know, the Blood Angels oh. captain. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the original from the from the late 80s, or nah, I guess it'd be more early 90s, right at the beginning of the second edition, you know, with the gold armor. And uh, yeah. just out of nowhere, you know, because that's just the kind of yeah. guy he was, you know? That's it. And that, that sums it up entirely, doesn't it? Someone who's so yeah. generous with the time, so generous with promoting the hobby and, and with people all over the world. And that, um, that what a mark of a man to do mm-hmm. that for you. Um, so yeah, um, such a sad loss to the wargaming hobby. Yeah. And, and recently, uh, within the past couple of days, the English breakfast society, then they're on Twitter. <laughs> uh, they are at fry up society. They, yeah, uh, yeah. bestowed Mike with the, uh, posthumous appellation of a, uh, English breakfast ambassador. So... <laughs> Anyone who followed Mike, of course, knew yeah. that he was the the fry up specialist, the fry up king, if you will, on uh, yeah. 
for the rate my breakfast. That's hashtag rate my breakfast. Um, <laughs> always with proper, you know, proper. Uh, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Analysis of the presentations <laughs> that were made, and yeah. uh, it, it was nice to see the outpouring of support from the community for you know when the when the Fry Up Society put up uh, a call for people who should be recognized for their contributions to the English breakfast. And uh, <laughs> it, it was just nice to see. And, and you know, yeah, I, I can't say, I can't say enough good about Mike Hobbs, but no, and thought, I thought to Neil as well, you know, who we, uh, he podcasted with for um, a long, long time. And uh, uh, it's such a sad loss that we don't hear their, their, their voices online anymore, which is, which mm-hmm. is a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I touched base with, uh, with Neil and, uh, on, on occasion and Mike Whitaker as well. And yeah, I, I need to talk to those guys. It's been a while since I've talked to them. Have need to have them back on the show. So yeah, anyhow, I think we, um, you know, we, we, we take things for granted quite a lot, don't we? And mm-hmm. uh, especially in these, you know, difficult times. And I think if you've got the chance to reach out and uh, and do something with somebody, uh, then it's really worth doing. I think that's uh, part of the lovely thing about this hobby. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is one of those things where, you know, you get you get with the right group of folks, whether you're playing with them either in person or even online in these days, um, mm-hmm. or even just or even just corresponding, like you said, you know, and there is, you do develop a bond and you do develop true friendships. And, um, sometimes we lose sight of that. And sometimes we need to just reach back and, and, uh, talk to folks and say, Hey, how are you doing? You know? And, you know, sometimes that can be the difference, you know? Um, recently there was a young man on Twitter, uh, fellow soldier, fellow infantryman who's, kind of expressing some just kind of around the edges. Hey, I'm having some problems. So I reached out to him and uh, we just talked a little bit back and forth. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really cost anything out of your day to just say, Hey, how's it going? And maybe yeah. you need to follow up with no, really, how's it going? And, yeah. uh, you know, cause the, the, the pat answer will be, Oh, I'm fine. Or I'm okay. Or and you just say, you know, like, yeah, what you posted didn't really seem that way. You know, what else, what else is going on? You know? Yeah. Um, and that, that would lead into what we wanted to talk about the main topic. Um, but let's put a pin in that real quick. Cause I do want to talk about your storytelling because that's how I first knew you, right? You were the storyteller on D six generation. And now you've got a YouTube channel, which yes. link will be in the show notes, the time between times, yeah. And you mentioned, of course, the, uh, you know, the Welsh folklore and mythology that you're, uh, that you're bringing to the greater world. And I do appreciate that being, you know, a significant portion of my ancestry is, is Welsh. So oh, I certainly yeah. appreciate that. Um, yeah. my, my mother's maiden name was word. Okay. And, uh, I think, I think we just, Covered, you know, people that are better at this than I am figures that my mom's side of the family is probably about 45% Welsh, give or take. <laughs> That's very exact, isn't it? 45%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's about approximately 45%. So, 
not quite half, but a significant portion yeah. of half. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so getting yeah. getting to getting to know that aspect of my ancestry has been has been a real treat, and I, I have to applaud you and thank you for that. Ah, oh, th- thank you, Jay. And it it sort of came. I know it's off the war game topic, really, but I I, I did. Uh, being a shift worker for the best part of my life, you know, working different shift patterns, I I always found that um, I, I, I'm always a frustrated performer or actor, uh, really. I've been really lucky in my in my life. I've managed to um, uh, do a lot of professional performing. I've managed to play a few parts on Doctor Who, um, oh. a series called Be- Being Human. Um, I, there's a Welsh soap opera called Pobola Cum, which I did quite a lot on. And I also performed um, a lot of, uh, you know, plays and things at the Edinburgh Festival and all around the UK. And um, But because I was a, um, a shift worker in the police, it was very difficult for me to actually, it was never enough for me to leave my, my job as a police officer. So I always had to try and make do with the best I could. And I found that I, it was getting harder and harder for me to get together with other people to perform because I couldn't be in the same place at the same time. Like, for example, if we were um, a group putting together a play, we may get together on a Thursday night. Well, perhaps I could only make one Thursday in three. So mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. So I decided I needed to perform uh, on my own. So the best way of doing that was through storytelling. And I was really lucky back in the late 90s. Um, I got in touch with a, a lady who did storytelling for school children, basically. And uh, we uh, she employed me to go to some museums. And um, I dress up as a Roman soldier, believe it or not. I had the legs for it then. And um, <laughs> I'm a Celtic warrior. And um, I would talk about um, the Romans in Wales or, or the Celtic people in Wales. And I would... In- bring in a few stories, you know, some Roman myths or some Welsh myths. And school children would come. I would talk about life in Roman Britain, for example. And then we would, um, I would tell a few stories as part of that. And that seemed to go well for me. And from that, then I started to go and um, do performances as a storyteller. And I was lucky enough, um, there's a huge performance festival in Edinburgh every year, this world famous called the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. And I saved up enough money to um, take my show up there and it did really well. And um, from there, then I performed, you know, everywhere over the UK, uh, just telling Welsh myths, ghost stories and things like that. And it went really well, but it sort of stagnated, I, I would say, because I, uh, I then I started work in the training department for the police service and I, I became a day worker. So the, all those sort of daytime gigs went out, out the window. But I um, I carried on doing it, but it, it had stagnated and I was just telling the same stories time and time mm-hmm. again. And then back in the early part of 2020, as you know, and you know we're bored of talking about this, but the pandemic sort of hit. Sure. And we were all stuck at home, or I was, um, I was still going into work, but um, I couldn't get out to perform. So for a long, long time, I thought I'd love to do a podcast by myself or a, um, a YouTube channel. So I started, and it literally is this simple: time between time storytelling is on YouTube. It's literally me sat in the chair that I'm sat in now, um, just telling a different story every week for about 10 minutes. But that um, story is, I always started with a preamble that we did for the start of this um, 
with this recording, which is about being in the time between times. Now, the time between times is that time when it's neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. And always in storytelling tradition, that's the time when magic comes into the world. Mm-hmm. So I always do that preamble to try and get people into the right mindset to open their imagination. And that comes from a mental health aspect, really, about being in the present, being where you are, and opening your mind to um, to your imagination and letting your cares and your worries go for a few moments while you listen to a story. And that's what I did. And every week um, I started doing that. Usually on a Sunday, I would sit down. I, I literally would read a story sometimes and then close that book and then tell that story because I wanted to push myself as a storyteller as well. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed how many people... Um, you know, got in touch about that and followed it. And, um, you know, I'm not a tech wizard in any way. It was literally me. It started off with me with a um, uh, an iPad um, at a really bad angle. Uh, so it looked like <laughs> I had a porky chins. So it was like, keep your chin up, Owen, and the other one, you know. <laughs> um, I've since bought myself a tripod. Wow, look, look, I'm, a, I'm a tripod uh, company now. And um, I still do that every week, I, um, mm-hmm. uh, or almost every week. I will put out, and on that channel, uh, Time Between Time Storytelling, there are now about 70 different stories, um, uh, and they grow in week after week. And some of them are really creepy ghost stories. Yeah. Some of them are historical stories of things that have happened. And But the most of them, for the, for the, uh, um, the time being, are, are fairy stories, but with a, with a nice slant. I put uh, an American uh, lady got in touch with me last week and asked me to tell the story of the Taily Poo, which is a um, an American sort of ghost story. Um, so I, I told that one. Um, and also there's a spin-off um, podcast version now as well, which is a bit longer. It, it runs to about 20 minutes or so, and it's a bit more in-depth. And every few of those podcasts, so about once a month, I do um, just a mindful version of um, of storytelling, really, where mm-hmm. I will just literally describe a setting, like a, a clearing in the middle of the forest, walking on the beach, um, being somewhere where um, something magical is happening. And I invite the listener to just close their eyes and just take 10 minutes or so, just letting your cares and your worries wash away for a bit and to lose yourself in the story. And I didn't know how that would go. I didn't know how people would accept it. I didn't know how people would take to it. But it's gone really, really well. So it's branched out a bit in, in, in that direction. And I would, you know, I would invite and be really grateful for any of your listeners who would like to subscribe to the, the uh, YouTube channel or the, um, uh, the podcast. I'd be really grateful if anyone would join me there as I'm, I'm trying to grow it and I'm trying to promote these stories to a bigger audience. So thank you for letting me talk about them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, anyone who's, well, we're about 30 minutes into the show now, give or take. And I, I would think that anyone who isn't running to their YouTube uh, <laughs> or podcast service of choice and hitting that subscribe button is, has got to be out of their minds at this point. Um, <laughs> now there is, there's another angle that, uh, to that, that you're, I'd be more than happy to to hear about. And that's how your, how your, uh, 
how are you doing with your is it is it pronounced coffee? I guess K O F I, right? Yeah, K O F I, and and thank you, uh, Jay. Yeah, um, that was something that was just brought to me about how um, what I do. I I, I ask for any any donations via K O F I coffee, and um, with that. I've got a um, a tier on there called the Fireside, and every month I do an additional story just for my Kofi supporters. And also, I've got a Discord chat group that I invite people in where we can talk about stories and they can suggest things as well. And um, yeah, anyone who's uh, who's willing to support me there, uh, everything I do with that, because also. I've got a um a gaming channel um which I I've neglected to say and it's called Adventures at the Time Between Times. And if you go on there, there I do gaming playthroughs and um uh, I've recently been doing a um a silver bayonet um oh yeah campaign. And what I do is rather than just talk you through the um the adventure, I will literally tell a story about what happened in that battle. And also, I do a lot of Rangers of Shadow Deep games. I've got interviews with people from the D6 generation, the Crown of Command, my good friend Marcel from Germany. Um, a lot of stuff on there, and that's called Adventures at the Time Between Times. So anyone who supports me on coffee can um, uh, suggest things for that channel as well. Yeah, that, that's that's spectacular. You know, and getting getting your enthusiasm and your ability to tell a ta- to tell a tale in that fashion I, I think is great and you know some of some of the uh, storytelling experience of course is you know talking about experiences in battle and in times of adversity and, and I think taking a look at, at our tabletop adventures as exactly that, an adventure or a story. It, it's so much more interesting than and on, on then I had, a, I was a plus two. So, you know, I was able to roll and I just got it by one and good thing I had that plus two, you know, that, yeah. that that's a bit dry and, you know, me- <laughs> mechanistic, you know, if you will. Yeah. And, yeah. and I really appreciate being able to take a look at the same thing, but with a storyteller's eye, and with a storyteller's ear and relate the tale of what happened in that fashion, you know, and exactly. Yeah. Go on you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, my experiences, you know, that I remember are the ones that get retold. And that's the whole point of storytelling, right? Is to remember and pass on the, the adventures. And so, you know, when we as, you know, hopefully, you know, if we're relating the tale, we are talking about the the great deeds and the the situation and what happened. And not that, you know, you know, I, I, I was a plus one on those rolls. And luckily for me, I rolled all threes and it was good enough, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know that's I what guess it's the ex- all about. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the. I guess all those times when it's anything but a one and you roll a one, I guess that's a, <laughs> that, that's an opportunity to, to be a little mechanistic and having, yeah, you know, have, I, having I, that. I appreciate people. There are people, you know, in the wargaming hobby who are, um, you know, very mechanistic about their gaming and that's fine, but I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm no one. I, I just love creating the story or creating that, that vision of something has happened. And, 
if you watch my um, uh, Rangers of Shadowdeep adventures on Adventures of Time Between Times, it literally, um, it follows, it's a solo game. It's, you know, a game I play myself. Uh, and the story that develops just with the random dice rolling and, and the scenarios is quite incredible. And I've got so many ideas and, um, you know, for stories and for things just from those solo games, which create their own tales. And mm-hmm. if you can lose yourself in those for a little, a little bit of time, then that is worth its weight in gold to, for me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Agree 100%. And, you know, our pursuit of the hobby and whatever whatever angle that takes, right? Because you know, I've you know, listeners know I, I I talk about how you know the wargaming hobby is such a or tabletop gaming meta hobby, you could say, is is such a broad, it's such a big tent, you know, and there are yeah. so many aspects that we can pursue, and for the most part, any aspect of it can be can be told as a story, you know. I'm sure plenty of people have told the tale of picking up their paint and water and drinking from it, you know, <laughs> just, by, just by way of example. And, and that folks is why I always use a, some sort of water vessel that is drastically different from what I'm drinking. <laughs> um, so, and, and I guess this is as good a time as any to kind of talk about uh, your adventure, you your story in the hobby and dealing with some, uh, what's the term? What, what what term would you prefer, Owen? Um, maybe not difficulties, but challenges. Um, some mental health issues. You know. Well, I'll I'll let you tell the tale. Go go ahead. Absolutely, I, I'd love to talk about that. Um, I always come across as quite a confident guy, Jay. I come across as someone who, um, you know, is quite open about what I do and um, how I, you know, gaming is what it is. And I'm a storyteller, but at the end of the day, for me, it all comes back to the 22nd of May, 2004, when Mm. uh, I started to suffer from um, mental health issues. And I can remember that day because it was a day when uh, something happened to me while whilst working in the police that changed my life at that point. And I'm not going to go into that story that is sure, something sure, that sure. happened it was it was horrible and um it the ramifications of that went on for quite a while and when that incident happened i i was quite badly injured myself but i all i can remember was the pain of something hitting me like like a brick and that mm. pain was psychological it was like something i never experienced before it was unbelievably um, powerful and really really affected me and my life changed on the on the toss of a coin basically and um for the best part of a year 18 months after that incident i was not myself in any way shape or form i was totally lost in um in the uh the thoughts that were swimming through my head, it physically affected me, it mentally affected me. And has left me with a, a sort of PTSD, high-functioning anxiety, which I've had to deal with since that moment. There was a point at that time, because at that time we were, um, my friend Justin, who uh, I've got a, um, a lot to thank for, he's the guy I came to Texas with, and, mm-hmm. um, and he's a very, very good friend of mine. And we would, with along with a few others, we would... Uh, go around the UK, go into various Warhammer tournaments, 
at about three weeks after this incident occurred, we were to go to a tournament in Weymouth, which is on the English South Coast. And I was in no way, shape or form, you know, going to go, but he persuaded me to go. And I was horrible company, you know, and I can remember going down there just wrapped up in, in loss of my own uh, mental health issues and totally all at sea. And I sat down on the first day. The Saturday was the first um, game of a tournament that was going to last for two days. And I sat down and I looked opposite and I set my army up and I thought, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I cannot do this because to think about playing a game of Warhammer at this point with what's going on in my head, I just couldn't do. And then the player opposite me looked up and rolled a dice uh, uh, and gave me a dice and said, do you want to roll for first turn to see who goes first? And I went, okay. And for the next two two hours, I didn't for one second think about what was bothering me, what troubles I was going through. Mm. All I thought about was the game. And it was really difficult because the game finished and I went back to my problems, back to my suffering. And then I played another game and I played another game. And gaming for me, became a release for what was going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was a horrible time in my life and it went on for about 18 months or so. And um, But from that, I genuinely believe that I became um, a better person. I became a, um, uh, a stronger, less selfish person from the experiences I went through. And I know a lot of your listeners are, are military military folks, and um, I'm sure mine was nothing compared to some of the things that you guys have gone through. But gaming for me became a refuge because it allowed me to escape from um, the, the the bad thoughts and things that were going through my head, and it allowed me to focus on something that was mm-hmm. purely enjoyment and something that really helped me and from that and there as as we spoke about earlier with the storytelling channel it was all about losing myself for just a bit of time in something that i enjoy and gaming for me because i became involved in mindfulness i know mindfulness gets a bad press um you know a lot of people call it muck mindfulness now because it's so um you know um it's so commercial you know with things going on but there's a lot to be said about being in the moment and nothing gets you in the moment more than painting miniatures planning what you're going to do with those miniatures mm-hmm. and gaming with good friends and losing yourself in that company for just a little bit of time and for me, that has been an absolute lifesaver over the last, coming up to 20 years. And mm-hmm. I honestly don't feel like the person I am now if it wasn't for that. And following that incident, um, I was fine for about, probably about six years with just a few minor blips here and there. And I suffered greatly again in 2010 and ended up you know, having to seek treatment, etc., Was fine after that. And again, back in 2019, I had another quite bad time um uh and now and even today i i take medication for mm-hmm. to help me but also of great medication for me is gaming because it allows me to focus and i think sometimes when you're ill and when you're not feeling well and when you're letting things or not letting things get on top of you but when things are intruding on your mind bad thoughts and uh, you know and bad feelings the last thing you want to do is pick up those dice, pick up that paintbrush, mm-hmm. meet a friend, 
game. But sometimes it's the best thing you can do to force yourself to do it because I've never regretted gaming with someone. Even when I've been at my lowest, I've never regretted taking up that offer of a game. I've never regretted picking up that book to read about, um, you know, whether it be uh, Blood Angels, whether it be um, the Stormcast Eternals, whether it be Vikings or Celts or or any. I've never regretted that because Mm -hmm. that makes me who I am. And I think all of us need to remember that. Suffering is, you know, and we all suffer and it's difficult. And in this day and age, these times have been particularly trying. But also there are great things happening. There are great people out there and there are people who can help you, people who you can reach out to and people with just a shared interest. Because at the end of the day, this is what gets us through the day to really think about the good times that we have with friends, looking forward to it. And that's what the Time Between Times is all about as well, is about mm-hmm. giving us that break, that little bit of a difference, just where we can lose ourselves in those thoughts. And you hit the nail on the head earlier on, Jay, when you talked about um, you know, the plus one dice rolls and things like that. We don't remember those. But 30 years later, I still remember the sound of the wolf riders running through the river. Yeah, and that is, you know, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Creating those stories that we can share together, and we can be together, and we could because gamers like nothing more than sharing their exploits, whether it's in D anD D, whether it's in whatever wargaming it is, and that brings it to us how important this hobby it is. So sometimes, even when you're at your lowest and your mind is screaming to you to just hide in bed or do whatever it is to to hide away from the world. Get out there and put yourself out there with gaming in particular because that is a real place you can go where you are safe, where you are thinking about things which are important to you and it will really help you in your road to recovery. And for me, it's been a lifesaver. I can honestly say that. And I want to thank so many of my friends who over the years have been there for me when I've not been great. And, um, you know, and I've been quite difficult to be around. But, um, Gaming friends, old and new, have supported me in that. And um, I hope that uh, for your listeners, that would be the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Owen, I have to thank you for uh, your honesty and uh, forthrightness in in discussing uh, this topic. And and it can be difficult. You know, it can be particularly difficult for men of our age and older um, that, you know, we're we're told from from quite a young age, you know, big boys don't cry. yeah, what do you mean, men of our age? I'm only 22, Jay. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's great because that'll that'll make me 21. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly what you're saying. We're 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 almost forced to be something that sometimes we're not. Mm-hmm. And being honest with yourself, open is is a real um, good way of of uh, exploring that. Yeah, and I, I've seen plenty. I've seen plenty of other examples of groups that are doing things like model building, you know, um, actually a good friend of mine is a very good friend of mine. In fact, is the, uh, director of the vet vet center in Las right. Vegas. Uh, the vet center is a veterans administration program where, uh, veterans of foreign deployments, U S deployments are able to receive counseling and, uh, reintegration services uh when they return and 
you know, he's, he's talked to me. He's got, he still has world war two vets wow. that, that come to his vet center and he is putting together, you know, he's seen the, the success that other groups have had with, you know, model building, uh, evenings, you know, where there'll just be a pile of model kits and guys and gals can come in and work on a model for a little bit. And, you know, it's, it, it is one of those things where you talk about where you forget, you know, you, you have to be in the moment. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes you just have to force yourself to be in the moment and concentrate on removing that mold line or, you know, getting the right amount of glue on the arm to put it up, you know, to attach it to the torso and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, there's some folks that are building model cars or putting together uh, scenery for a model train layout, or some folks are, you know, they are uh, building military models and, you know, what, whatever, you know, wh whichever way they choose to go, it, it, it works for them. And I can certainly see how in my life, you know, the moments that I spend, you know, working on figures, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, I know exactly what you're talking about where you can just say, Oh, I don't want to work on whatever. I just don't feel like it. And then you realize, yeah, I should be doing something, but then I didn't. And now I feel bad about it. Or you, you know, just get up and do 10 minutes, you know, do it for yeah, 10 minutes. Exactly. And at the very least you've got those 10 minutes and you can say to yourself, Hey, I did something right. Absolutely. And I'm looking right now. I'm looking at a, um, my wife bought me for Christmas um, a couple of years ago, a Lego haunted house. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm looking at it now. It's on the desk in front of me. And again, even if I couldn't, because sometimes gaming takes a little bit of head work, you know, to put armies together or mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. Even if I wasn't feeling that great, I could sit and I built the Lego haunted house. And that for me has been fantastic. Lego is another great outlet as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, fellow podcaster Jonathan J. Reinhardt of Wargaming Recon. Um, he suffered a loss when his good friend Adrian and co good friend and co-host Adrian. Oh, I'm, I apologize. I'm forgetting Adrian Benson, Adrian Benson, I believe if I recall correctly. Um, he passed this, this last year also. And, and Jonathan took it pretty hard. He's been very open on social media about it. And he has gotten into building Lego sets in a yeah. big way. And he posts his, the, you know, he posts pictures of the sets he, he builds and yeah. And it's one of those things where it is process oriented and what's great about Lego is it's very forgiving. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you put yeah. something in the wrong place, you just snap it back apart. It's not a big deal. And yeah, yeah. there was, there was a time, uh, where I, I did, I did kind of set wargaming aside for a while. Um, and I got into Lego and I had plans on doing a, a Lego train layout and I was planning on what we're going to have. And that kind of went away just, but I still have all those Lego sets, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Um, and now my son is huge into Lego and we, we enjoy sitting together and, and putting, yeah. putting sets together, but yeah, absolutely. And I think anything that anything constructive, whether yeah. that's writing poetry or building a model kit or gardening or uh, my wife is a sewer and she 
makes these lovely yeah. quilts and yeah. uh you know anything that's constructive like that could certainly aid a person's uh mental journey right and oh, definitely. Uh, and, and i and again we 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 talked at length about mike hobbs uh already but i think it's worth bringing mike up because mike was one of the first voices in the hobby to talk openly about the challenges he's had with his mental health. Yeah. And yeah, I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to Mike for being the trailblazer, if not, if not one of the trailblazers anyway, in absolutely opening up this, this dialogue and this continuing conversation. I kind of hate that phrase this continuing conversation, but anyway, um, you know, us just being able to, you know, talk openly about what we're going through and, and, and here we are now. And I, and I hope that, you know, if, if there's anyone that is having any difficulty in their personal life and in their mental life, if, if they take some, if they take something from this episode, I think we'll, you and I will have definitely done a good thing, Owen. Absolutely, Jay. And if I can just mention, you know, um, in my sort of uh, journey is a big word, but um, there are a couple of things that really helped me. And um, one of those is there's a wonderful book. Uh, And when I say book, it's a picture book that you can read in about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's by a guy called Matthew Johnson. And the book is called I Had a Black Dog. And it says more about depression and anxiety in that 10 minutes than, um, you know, many books take hundreds of pages. And it's just a little picture book. And it's also available on YouTube. If you just type in, I had a black dog. um, There's like a cartoon version of it. And that has been of so much benefit to me. Um, It just explains in clear, concise um, images and with a voiceover about, you know, what, what is happening sometimes because there are people out there when you first start to suffer like this, you, you don't really know why you're feeling this way. And also, um, body scanning for me has been a huge help. Uh, and there's a, a brilliant body scan just called the Body Scan, and it's by a guy called John Cabot Zinn. Um, of course, that's the type of name you'd have in, the, in that sort of industry. <laughs> but um, he does um, a 15 minute body scan where it just you lay on the gra- lay on the floor on your bed, and it. Um, talks you through your body, just relaxing and, and tensing parts of your body um, to help you relax. And from there, that's why I developed the the Time Between Times podcast, Mindful Listens, really. They're the sort of things that you could just lay down, put your headphones on, and just um, let the, um, the voice talk you through that experience where you can focus on the voice and not on the voices that you are you are having, you know. So um, both of those have been really helpful to me. So if any listeners want to take up um, and have a look at those, then please, please, um, they're a great help. Yeah, I, I, th- I appreciate you sharing those resources uh, with me and and the listeners. Uh, now, when you talk about a body scan, uh, kind yeah. of can you? Can, expand on that a little bit because i'm not familiar with that term and i imagine there's at least one or two others that aren't it's a mindful exercise it's an exercise based around mindfulness Mm -hmm. so what you do is um you lay uh, it, it invites you to like lay on your bed or on the floor and to clear your mind and um a voice will just talk you through your body 
and it will start with your feet and it will say like um you know feel your toes feel tense your feet relax your feet and it works its way up through your body it'll say about um you know your calves tense your calves relax your calves actually feel the way that your your calves feel when they're they're on the ground are they cold are they warm are they and it'll work its way through your body up to the top of your head and it just allows you to work on um different parts of your body and focus in on those parts of the body rather than on the thoughts that are whirring through your mind it allows you it's just a way of relaxing mm-hmm. and i found when I, um when i first went through uh my um uh, illness when i when first happened to me somebody suggested it to me and i thought no that's not for me you know that's all that's a bit flowers and flip-flops that is but uh <laughs> i uh, i really really benefited from it and it helps you no end if you do it you know, just a little bit before you go to bed or if you come home at the end of the day and, and you know, you feel intense, then sit down and just, and if you, you type in body scan on YouTube, there are body scans for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. And some of them are like mindful journeys. You know, they, they'll, you know, they'll say, um, there'll be a walk in the forest and it'll ask you to imagine walking through the forest and the sights and the sounds that you hear. And there are so many different themed ones, but um, they're all really, really useful and have been of massive benefit to me over the years. Wow. That that's certainly sounds like something I'll need to look into myself. That's uh... Please do. Let me know how you get on with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, have you found in your hobby pursuits in particular, since this is a hobby show, um, mm-hmm. in your hobby pursuits in, uh, as you've gone forward and, and using them to uh, kind of better your, your mind, your, your mindset, are there any particular aspects or uh, particular pursuits that have been more helpful for you? Uh, for example, do you find maybe, the process of building a model maybe more uh, more in line with what you're needing than painting or writing an army list or or anything like that. I think the um, the biggest benefit I've got from it. I, I'm not a great painter. I've, I I paint everything I use, but I've never. I just haven't got the skill to be a brilliant painter. I've got friends who are fantastic painters. I'm not, but. In recent years, I've really uh, appreciated the art of painting and I've mm-hmm. really tried to um, improve my skills in that direction. And I've really, in the past, I used to just paint my figures as simply as I could, but now I'm taking my time over a figure a lot more. But I think the biggest benefit for me has been the sense of community and the sense that you can speak to people like us across the world, you know, we're, we're talking now across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. people of like-minded disposition who we have um, something in common with that enables us to talk for hours on end. And I think in this day and age, one of the biggest problems we have in society at the moment is isolation. And, um, you know, whether that be via COVID or whether it be mm-hmm. just the way society has gone, but forcing myself to get out there and game with sometimes in, in tournaments with people I've never met before has been of such benefit 
because the thought of doing that when you're not feeling well is is horrific. But when you actually set foot, like the story I told earlier, mm-hmm. when I sat down, and I can clearly remember sitting opposite someone thinking, I can't do this. But as soon as I rolled that dice, and all of a sudden I got involved in that world of gaming and, uh, and the visions of um, the great battle or wherever it was started to unfold in front of me, that was a huge benefit. So reach out, speak to fellow gamers, even if you don't want to talk about, you know, um, your, your mental health or um, or your physical health or whatever. Just get yourself to talk about whatever it is that interests you, because when someone responds to that, that is a great boon and a great boost for you mentally, physically, and helps you through those times where you sometimes can feel like you're the only person in the world who feels that way. And believe me, you're not. Mm-hmm. And there are always people out there who will help you. And always people out there who will support you. It's probably one of the most welcoming hobbies in the world. We've never got enough gamers who we want to play with. So it's all about enjoying those games. And jump into a game that maybe, for example, if you, you know, you've never done any historical wargaming or World War II wargaming or science fiction wargaming, try different things. Try role-playing. Try a collectible card game. Just try anything. Don't get so blinkered that you'll only play Warhammer or you'll only play Saga or Flames of War or whatever. Try anything Mm -hmm. because you never know how you're going to enjoy it. Right. And that that's kind of one thing that uh, my brother Chris and I are kind of trying something a little bit new um, ourselves. We, you know, we've lived in the same town for more than two years now, and we don't game nearly enough. And I and I was talking to him on the phone and said, "Hey, we need to get serious about our fun." <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, me and, too. Yeah. And you know, we we've got you know we've got our own. You know, everyone has their troubles, of course, and. You know, for the longest time, Chris and I didn't even, you know, we didn't even live in the same state. And yeah. um, now that we're in the same town, we we don't we don't game enough. And I said, here's what we need to do. We just need to do kind of an escalation thing, right? Where we start yeah. with um, just one group of figures and some terrain. And then the next month, we'll add some more figures and more terrain. And yeah. what we decided on for our group project, I guess you could call it, is we're um building a a cyberpunk type uh game world i guess you could call it we're calling it kanji city and right. we're going to start with just like a 2 foot by 2 foot area urban area you know so maybe maybe not fully tightly packed in that you know we're going to have a nice wide street enough for two lanes and you know there's a nice shoulder for for cars to park and you know, we're just starting with that and then we're going to expand it and we're going to expand it some more and we're going to expand it some more until eventually we'll have a full, well, actually the, the mat we're using is five foot by nine foot. So eventually it'll be pretty big, but we're, we are starting small and you mentioned kind of pushing yourself. Well, we're going to push ourselves with our painting also. And by starting with these four to six figure groups to start, that's going to allow us the time to, you know, work on different aspects of our painting. Like for me, I'm, I'm going to expand, you know, with this first group, especially, you know, with the skin tones, you know, cause it's not all white, yeah. you know, it's not all pasty white guys, you know? So I'm going to have some folks with more African skin tones and more, 
Latin yeah. skin tones and Asian skin tones and, and really, and really push ourselves and not necessarily out of a comfort zone because we are using some familiar rules. We're using fistful of lead, uh, galactic mm-hmm. heroes from Wiley games are, are old standbys, but it's, it's a, it's an aesthetic that we haven't pursued before, you know, cause the cyberpunk kind of blade runner aesthetic is, is unique certainly. And the types of stories we're going to tell with it are, are beyond the usual, you know, military force on force type stuff that we've been doing for, for years. But the main thing is we're going to hold ourselves accountable. Right. And like I said, we're going to get serious about our fun and we've got deadlines and okay, here's the, here's the date and here's what we need to have. And it's been, it's been fun starting. I worked on some figures last night and what you said earlier, you know, I've never, you said earlier, you never regretted spending time with a hobby, right? Whether that's getting a game in or, uh, doing a video on on one of your Rangers of Shadow Deep games or whatever it is. And last night, I mean, I I could have gone to bed earlier, <laughs> especially waking up at five fifteen local time, so I could talk to you. But I don't regret working on the figures, and you know, and that's another thing. Everything that everything that's going to be on the table, with the exception of the mat, is going to be three D printed. Wow. E- either. You know, either on the FDM printer, you know, for the buildings or uh, resin printed for the figures and vehicles and, and scatter terrain. So Brilliant. We're, we're pushing ourselves technically and we're pushing ourselves, in, you know, craft wise with the hobby and we're pushing ourselves aesthetically. And, we're, and, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, those 20, 30 minutes I spent working on figures last night, I, I was just that there. You know, I was just doing that. And. And we all have troubles. I don't. I don't need to, you know, catalog the troubles we have in our house. But, um, yeah, that just all goes away. And here I am, you know, taking support, you know, taking three uh, D printed supports off of the cop bot, you know, the robot cop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or the or the sushi master. Cause yes, I do have a sushi master. So <laughs> just remember Jay, no matter what's going on in your life, you can have whatever you want happening in Congee city and enjoy it because that will be a place where you can go, where uh, you can have adventures, you can create stories, you can build models and having that there is, is, is a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. I online gaming. Um, I never thought that, you know, I would take to that. And I've played games of Warhammer with a guy in Japan, you know, and mm. um, where the board is there and I, I'm having to talk through, um, you know, what I do. And, and yeah, it's not like being in person, but it's being with someone and it's sharing the hobby. I run a, um, a Rangers of Shadow Deep game just before Christmas. And I had three players and one was in Canada, one was in Japan and one was in Germany. Mm. And you know, that's, we live in a magic age for that. And it's just bringing people of like minds together. And that is, uh, you know, that's one of the finest things you can do. And it's really well worth doing. Yeah. That's it. The technology that is available to us, you know, I, I'm not going to name any names, but there is someone who lives in England that I talk with quite a bit. And I'm amazed that a device that fits in my pocket allows me to talk to him while yeah. he's in England and I'm driving down the interstate in Illinois, you know, (laughs) 
Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely. I play every once a month. I play in a Hero Quest campaign oh, that's nice. in Germany. You know, it's in Germany, and the board is in the, in Germany, and my character is there. But I get to play, you know, with friends, um, you know, in Germany, just over my my iPad, which is just amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and it's it's a great time. And and speaking of pushing boundaries and getting out of our comfort zone, you know, for for good or ill, well, mostly ill, I suppose. But at the very least, one of the good side effects the last two years is we are expanding our horizons in how we pursue our hobby like this, right? Because, you know, I've, I've run games myself with, you know, Henry Hyde, for example, over, uh, you know, and we've, we've broadcast them on YouTube, you know, or even uh, we've done quite a few games, uh, my brother and I, with What a Tanker, you know, the World War II tank game oh, with yeah. folks from all over, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just astounding, you know. Discord, for example, you know, is a great way to do that sort of thing as well. Uh, you know, we're we're recording right now using ZenCaster. That's my preferred uh, recording medium. You know, mm. folks like to use Zoom or Google Meets or Hangouts or whatever. I guess it's Microsoft Meets, isn't it? And it's a mm. uh, Google Meets or Meetings now or whatever they're called. It used to be called Hangouts, but they, I guess, uh, <laughs> that's not business enough. So they, they changed the name, but anyway, yeah, it's just an astounding time. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to be physically with the other folks that you're playing games with. And, and it's definitely, it's definitely allowed me to become friends, like true friendships with, with people I wouldn't otherwise have encountered, you know, and it's, it's been good for, it's been good for something, you know. People people like to bash on technology, but it's good for something, you know. I think, so. Jay, when you look at it, you know, we started this conversation talking about the D and D red box, mm-hmm. and um, we all reminisce and we all think about the times, you know, how great those times were in. But we shouldn't lose sight of this is a golden age for gaming, and mm. in the future, people will look back at this time and the products we have, the three D printing, de- um, you know, developments, the fantastic games that we're playing at the moment, and we will see for what this truly is—a glorious golden age for gaming—and we shouldn't Agreed. forget that this is a really, really something, and uh, we should all appreciate that a bit more. Yeah, absolutely, um, and, and it it goes. I think it definitely goes double, not just for, well, I think the main thing is like we said, the connections you're able to make with folks um, through these various technological media, but also the, the access to, you know, the, the materials that we use to create these stories and to play these games and to, um, you know, with 3d printing, for example, you know, I, I screwed up two of the figures I was working on last night. And I was, oh man, how am I going to fix that? And I just thought, hey, dummy, that's like twenty-two cents worth of resin. You know, print print another; it'll be okay. And exactly, I I didn't really think about it until just now. But you know, someone who is, you know, deathly afraid of messing up a miniature. I guess I have thought about this, but you know, what if I mess up the paint job? Well, I'll I'll just print another. It's okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know that that barrier to creativity is is gone now. You know, yeah, and it's it's pretty it's it's a great time to be in the hobby. It, it certainly Absolutely. is. So, yeah. it is. Well, um, I I think 
I think we'd be remiss if we didn't remind folks, uh, and links will be in the show notes as always. Um, you've got multiple YouTube channels that folks can sign up for. You've got the, the coffee that folks should yeah. definitely subscribe to $5 a month. Isn't ain't too bad. You know, I, I certainly spend more on less, you know, <laughs> um, uh, very kind, Jay. and, uh, of course folks will be able to find you on Twitter and you've got your podcast as well. And uh, all yeah. those links will be in the show notes. Um, Oh, and I, I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think we've we've achieved what we set out to achieve today. Do you think, or was, was there anything else you wanted to say? I think we've set out, uh, we've achieved what we set out to do, Jay, and more. And it's been wonderful. And if anyone takes anything from this, it's just be positive, guys. Be positive in the hobby. Get out there. Lose yourself in the stories you create. And if anyone comes to my uh, my channels, um, you know, via this, please let me know, and I'd be more than happy to talk to you. I'm no expert; I just talk from my own experiences. But um, for me, the hobby has been really important. So don't forget what a gift it is. Sometimes, guys. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it is important to not let your ones perceived level of expertise uh, to keep you from talking about these sorts of issues. Because I, I certainly don't have any type of degree in, in psychology or psychiatry or anything like that, but it, we need to make sure that we don't have barriers from being honest with ourselves, especially and with others. And, and again, Owen, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and being as open and honest uh, with me and with the listeners as you have been. Uh, so I, I think I, I'll probably have a few other links in the show notes. And I do have to mention Henry Hyde, who, well, I did mention him earlier, but, um, Henry has been very open and honest with his struggles, uh, recently as well. And he's actually started a second podcast in addition to battle games. He's also, or battle chat. He's also started a podcast called inside your mind, which kind of gets more into the nuts and bolts of what happens to that that pink gray clay between our ears, right? And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have uh, links to Henry's podcast as well in the show notes for folks who want to take a little bit deeper dive into this subject. So I think um, it's based on the hobby, and I think I'll, I'll finish, Jay, if you if you can. I've uh, there's a quote I always use when I'm feeling um, feeling really bad or feeling really low. And it comes from the Lord of the Rings. And mm -hmm. it's a really important quote. Frodo turns to Gandalf and he says, I wish the ring had never come to me. And Gandalf turns to him and says, so do all who live to see such days. But it's not for them to decide. All that it is for them to decide is what to do with the time that is given them. Mm. We can't lose what happens to us. We can't choose what the way it makes it feel, but we can choose the way we react. Yes. And the hobby is something that we can really put our time in. So please, guys, stick with it. It'll help you no end. Absolutely. I, I can't think of a better way to end the show than that. So I suppose we should end the show. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say, Owen? 
I'm more than happy. And it's been lovely speaking to you, Jay. It's been lovely speaking to your audience. And I just hope that um, people get something from it. And uh, anyone who wants to get in touch with me, Jay has given you more than ample opportunities to find me. I'm not hard to find, like the A-team. But, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll do what I can. It's been great to speak to you guys. So, thank you very much. Thank you, Owen. I, I really appreciate, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. And it's been a real joy. I, I've been a big fan of yours ever since I first heard you on the D6 generation. So, I, I, I certainly have uh, Craig and Russ to thank for that. So, on that note, as always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold, 2022. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.